0: Okay, imagine there's music here. Okay.
1: I'm imagining it. And I'll start talking now. Is that what I'm supposed to do? I think so.
0: The robots are coming. The robots
1: are coming. Wait, wait. They're already here. This episode will discuss AI, deep learning, and the possible effects these technologies will have on the nature of design and business. Welcome to Brilliant, a podcast about innovation, design, and experience. I'm Justin Jurek, Vice President of User Experience at Mignani. With me each and every podcast is the President of Mignani, Justin Dobb. Hello. Each podcast will talk about business strategy, user experience, disruption, and innovation. How's it going, Justin? Good, um, but you are moving in and out from your microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll stay right in place.
0: That's because I'm looking at this laptop that oh. has the script I wrote for this. <laughs> Would you like to put that down? So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna confess right now that I'm I'm uh, leaving for Berlin this evening and um, I'm distracted.
1: Yeah, well, that's okay. That's it. You should be. You're traveling. The pa- the passport's all up to date. Ready to rock and roll. It is for another 18 months. That's great. That's always a terrible feeling when you arrive. At whatever point that you're supposed to leave from, and you realize you either have an expired driver's license or passport, or not that I've ever done that before.
0: Or when you arrive at LaGuardia and your uh, third-world country's government is dissolved, and you have nowhere to go but the terminal. That's pretty terrible too. It's also a movie starring Tom Hanks. Oh, I believe called The
1: Terminal. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's let's dig into this a little bit. Um, Today we're talking about AI and deep learning. There's a lot that goes into this conversation, um, but I think where we've kind of been talking about it is first kind of what broadly are... The applications for it that you can start to get into right away, and then specifically deep learning, you know, is is kind of one of these newer topics that that's starting to bubble up and be a little bit more tangible in the world of business and design.
0: Yeah, interestingly, the the whole the math behind deep learning, I think, was developed in the fifties. Wow! So, um, but the funny thing is, and there's no coincidence, I guess, is that. You need huge data sets for, for ah, deep learning to work. Yep. And so you also need something that can process huge data sets. So you kind of had to wait for yeah. the technology We've and the internet. up. Yeah. So until we had the internet and everyone just feeding all of their personal information into all these systems, um, you know, it was all theoretical. And now, of course, we can process the data pretty much almost in real time. And, and in fact, that's how... All, we all get those banner ads showing us pictures of things we either just bought yep. or maybe looked at once. Yep, um, That's all done almost real time uh, using a deep learning system yeah. that is looking at all of your past behaviors and comparing you against the entire data set of other people with similar past behaviors to decide whether you're likely to buy that thing or not. Yeah, it's really funny. I, I had a conversation recently with... Um, you know, a friend of
1: ours that is not necessarily involved in technology at all. And, and she she was totally like, yeah, Facebook is listening to me. They are listening to me because how do they know, you know, I had a conversation about a thing, and how do they even know that I want to see an ad about it? And I was like, well, they're not listening to you. They're, they're recognizing all these patterns and guessing really well now. Yeah. <laughs> they're really good at guessing to the point where it seems like they're listening to you, but it's actually just... Whatever your other online behaviors are, they're kind of correlating all of those different relationships and giving you an ad you want. And she was not buying it. She was, <laughs> she was <laughs> not buying it one bit. She was like, no, they got to be listening to me because I didn't do anything else. I was like, you didn't like do a Google search about it? You haven't like typed anything into any form field? And she was
0: like, well, I was like, aha. <laughs> well, it doesn't even have to be that, right? It can yeah. be your group of friends... Right. Your place of employment, your zip code, other things you've bought. All of these things go into these massive data sets and you get, you know, put into kind of real-time segmentation models Mm -hmm. where they're like, at this point in time, you are a purchaser of a Honda Pilot. Right, And, you know, it could be that you just looked at uh, child seats or, you know, who knows what, but other things, so many things correlate highly and are predictors of someone in the market for you know X product, and now we can do that all real time, and bam, you get a Honda Pilot ad yeah. in your
1: Facebook feed. Yeah, artificial intelligence, in general, you know where that kind of started was more was more based upon the idea that that humans you know are supplying the inputs and modifying the algorithms to kind of get to better and better outputs over time. I think the distinction between you know, your basic artificial intelligence and then a system that can do deep learning is that the algorithm itself can
0: evaluate the data sets and get better over time on its own. Yeah, and we have no idea what's happening. I mean, it really is it, black box uh, technology. Uh, you know, we can measure the outputs and we can mm-hmm. <laughs> evaluate whether what's happening is productive or not and and try to throw in other data if we think it should be tuned better. Yeah. But it's not human-readable. Those algorithms are not human-readable that are being developed. And that's, uh, you know. Terrifying. It's it's mildly unnerving. But, you know,
1: we can also put it to good use. We put out a blog post a, a few weeks back talking about, you know, a few ways that you might be able to take advantage of AI right now uh, and there's some pretty basic ones, right? The, the idea of bettering your search, uh, providing recommendations and things like that. But I think, uh, you know, recently you've been talking a little bit more about even getting ahead and being predictive um, and offering a predictive model. Um, for offerings and services that customers might not even know they're necessarily privy to or, or interested in now that we can do with deep learning.
0: Yeah. And um, I think we should all be watching uh, what Amazon is recommending to us because you know that they're ahead of this curve. Uh, I, do, I do find it, you know, kind of funny that uh, Amazon will show me things that I bought like 10 years ago before I was online uh, because, the, hey, you know, there's a lot of stuff you're doing that looks like you might like yeah. N- Neil Stevenson books. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but the creepiest one has... Do to you like be. extremely dense... Highly technical uh, fiction?
1: Era-spanning, highly technical, wordy fiction? Neil Stevenson is your guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I know. I know. I know. We've had this debate before. <laughs> I, I uh, can take Neil Stevenson to a point and then... I
0: have to close the book and move on with my life. I did, it's I did. too much. It's <laughs> I <did>. too much.
1: <laughs> I did. You're too good,
0: Neil, Neil Stevenson. Well, I did learn more than I wanted to about uh, orbital mechanics. <laughs> for sure. LinkedIn has got to be the creepiest right now. And that may be purely correlational, but there, they're, you might know. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's it really is crazy. unbelievable. I mean, there was a guy who was a tradesman who worked for a contractor who... Did my basement 14 or 15 years ago and they're like you might know pete and i was like well why do you know that i know pete (laughs) Pete and i don't have any common contacts yeah you know
1: yeah that's where we're kind of riding that line you know with with the, the deep learning is that because it's a black box and because we really don't know what's going on under the hood there that there are those weird kind of you know it sounds like where do you draw the line at what's acceptable you know how deep do you go down the 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 Kevin Bacon tree
0: there <laughs> for offering uh, relationships to you. Yeah, um, the uh, like when people learn terrible things about their spouse uh, on uh, you know uh, through ads suggested <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> that's terrible. But, uh, well, so there's. Yeah, a, there... I did not
1: put that one together, but that's. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that would be the worst. Yeah, well, it uh, I'm sure. It, I'm sure. So, but there are positive sides, and there's coming out now, kind of AI-driven story generation, where you know people are interacting with these storylines. It's almost like choose your own adventure, or, mm-hmm. or if you remember, you, I'm sure you don't, because you're not as old as I am. But the the um, infocom text-based adventures, you know, where you like you enter a house. I guess if you're yeah, ready, yeah. ready, player one. Which yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he talks about it a lot. But now that they're getting with uh, these systems that are AI-driven, so you know there aren't like five different results from your action. There's really kind of an infinite amount of results from your action, yeah, because they're being handled by the AI. And the AI is is you're, you're building these it's worlds, inventing, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, and it actually in the cloud this this game is kind of keeping your world internally consistent. So. You could build out and have, like, you know, giant conversations. Potentially, you could keep building this world that you've been exploring in this game forever, and everyone else who plays the game has a different experience. It's Hmm. not like World of Warcraft, where, where it's just a bunch of people inside this virtual space. The space is being created. The characters are being created. Everything is being created based on you and your reactions and behaviors. That was a little bit of the promise of um,
1: No Man's Sky when, oh. that, when that rolled out, right? I think yeah. a lot of people thought that that's kind of what that was going to be, <laughs> I, uh, I have to say,
0: I just wanted it to be fun. I, I, yeah, well, it, it was maybe too <laughs> it, real. It's like, so, oh, <laughs> like it's like I'm sorry, it's, it's the most boring thing I've ever played. And I, I don't pl- think playing was the right word. I just walked around, wandering until they you see me, a They wanted me to creature? collect, you know, plants, and I don't know. I I don't think you I, don't do that in real life. No, why I, would
1: you do that in a game? I,
0: I, whether it's on a planet that's just created for me or Earth, a botany simulation game it wasn't quite the, the 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 joie de vie i was hoping yeah, for yeah i think subsequent i think they've made some subsequent
1: updates to that game that I'm have, not going uh, back. That have uh, increased the level of playability uh, because but i do think that was kind of right one of the original selling points is that yeah. there we're going to be these self-generating worlds right and everyone would would experience different corners of this universe um which is a really interesting concept uh, until you realize you're just, you're just
0: digging holes in the ground and well, chasing creatures. Yeah, and, and unlike that last example, No Man's Sky, once you generated this world, it was available for other people. Right. Um, it, you know, you weren't in your own self-contained universe. You were just, it's kind of like, you know, quantum mechanics, right? You're observing the world and then it exists. Yeah, yeah. The gaming area seems probably... Place ripe for
1: this to really expand into these like self-perpetuating, self-generating uh, worlds. What are other spaces you think um, you know? This kind of, I mean, there's there's some areas where the deep learning is already having a major impact, where it's like image recognition, uh, image sorting, video uh, tagging, and help assisting uh, human behavior. Uh, with huge data sets, you know, things yep. that people would have to manually look at a picture and tag and probably tag inaccurately. Machines can do much better, right? They can look well, they're getting there. <laughs> they're getting they're there. Getting they can there.
0: also do really terrible racist things. They can things. also
1: do terrible things. Sorry. That's um,
0: true. But uh, I, I saw a statistic that, that made a lot of sense and it was when you look at the capabilities of AI systems today doing kind of decision making, mm-hmm. it has to be a decision that a human could make in under a second. That's the kind of decision. Like when you look at a picture, there's a guitar. Right, ah, it's a guitar or a violin like or a bass. snap judgment. Yeah, that's what we can use these kind of deep learning and, and image recognition and things like that. Um, it's not you know really complicated. Like what's the intent of the person in the picture? Mm, you know, mm. um, although they they can now kind of at least make some decent guesses on emotion yeah. from from expressions. Yeah. Um, they're they're no better or worse than people, right? So when you when any of us see a picture, I mean, we're kind of filling in our own right. <laughs> uh, biases and judgments. But um, you know, we've been trained f- through you know millions of years of evolution to 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 be able to know if someone's angry. It, that that kind of pathway, though,
1: is is where you know when you talk about over millions of years of evolution the capability to take all your everything you've learned and, and project it on another person and be able to empathize with them. Yep. You know, I don't know that we're far away from the ability of machines to do that kind of work simply because of how quickly the generations yep. you know, you know, or in a second there's a few generations of thought, right, happening and learning. It seems like there's an acceleration of capabilities that all of a sudden are manifesting in these other Um, experiences. And then as we start to bring in more and more of these devices, right, like your Google Home and your Alexa, that are exposing the algorithms to real-world scenarios where people are just kind of free-form asking questions, the better the machine is able to anticipate what what is actually intended by the question.
0: Well, it it gets a different level of... um... Kind of detail too, when you think about the more sensors that are put in your house, right? So motion sensors, things that are put in for yeah, um, security systems, or even just like remote medical monitoring. Say you have an Alexa and you're having these conversations, and the AI is is figuring in how m- much you've gotten up and moved around the house today. Um, are you uh-huh. depressed? Are you you know less active? If there's Biometric information thrown into that, like your blood pressure is high, mm. or you didn't it knows you didn't sleep well because of the Fitbit on your wrist. Yeah. So there are a lot of other factors that make that understanding of someone's emotional intent much easier for an AI. It's way more data. Yeah. Than say even you or I, you know, we're just are you how are you doing? Yeah, because we just I'm see great. someone on a periphery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the you know you don't know that they you know spent the last three days kind of laying on a couch. And and all the whiskey's gone, <laughs> which you know, <laughs> that's what that you could want. be You're... a great weekend yeah, or or yeah. not. A few weeks ago, you wrote a blog post about some kind of really more practical ways you can start implementing yeah. AI. So the first um, kind of topic you covered was improving search with AI. How, how does that work? Search it has primarily been
1: driven text-driven, you know, mm-hmm. and. It originally started just with keywords, simple keyword recognition. But I think, you know, as the systems um, have gotten smarter about recognizing the language patterns that people use and the relationships between certain search terms that may be related but aren't necessarily, you know, 100% tied yep. in, I think there's a lot that you can do with search to really add in um, stuff that's more semantic, uh, real language kind of searches so at being able to ask questions right this is kind of like the Watson thing right being able to say um you know hey Watson I'd like to see a list of publications about blank right and yep. it automatically just is going to look for maybe publications that have the keyword but are there other things that are related to it based on kind of your past behaviors as well
0: um, yeah we um this has got to be a decade ago when we were working on uh, kind of an online medical library. So before they had this technology, you'd be in the men's health section, and you'd see articles for ovarian cancer. Hmm. And, and the right. question is, you know, why is that? And there were a lot of uh, connections because of STDs and, like, HPV. And so there were all these terms that linked all these articles together, although, obviously... Uh, you shouldn't be seeing ovarian cancer articles in a men's health issues right, section right but th- the search engines at the time w- couldn't distinguish that much so today again we know you know it's 90% about women's health and th- the search engines smart enough to know that it's you know 10% is going to be way down on your search results y- yeah and there's also you know a lot of capability now to really like
1: tune these uh, out-of-the-box kind of systems to your data set, you know, so that it is really recognizing, oh, you could ignore this whole area that could be related, but just you could, you could ignore that because it's out of the field that we're in or it, it doesn't really have any sort of pertinence to the searches this person would be doing for the particular product that you're working on. So, so how else can we use AI? Well, I, the second one was about chat. Right. So um, the bots. And, and you know, I, I think the bot, the bot uh, phase or the bot fad has kind of come and gone. I, I think there was maybe a, a lot more promise to that than actual practice that happened. But I think you do see and we all encounter bots every day, even if we don't really realize it. Um, uh, in fact, recently I had an experience with uh, with AT&T uh, scheduling, you know, an appointment. It was, a very, it was very clearly a bot that was texting back and forth with me, but it was doing it in a way where, like, if, if I hadn't known better and I really wasn't paying attention, I probably wouldn't have noticed that it wasn't an actual support person. There were just a couple little weirds in it. I was like, oh, this is clearly a machine. But otherwise, it was very responsive, you know, and very, like, it talked in a real way, and it responded to my language in a way that was similar Right. You know, so it was reflective in that regard. So bots taking over all of kind of retail transaction, I don't know that we're there yet. But I think in terms of support services, there's a ton of bot usage, um, both spoken word, so stuff over the phone, or um, you need to change, you know, a reservation or stuff like that. Yeah. Some of that is is already adopted, and then also some of these online um, or text-based services as well.
0: Yeah, I think where it's going to get really interesting is when far more services on the web are abstracted from a physical interface. Right. So everything is a, a REST service or an API, and when we say bot, it's our kind of management system that is, you know, we ask a natural language request, and it's parsing this thing out to all the different web services and having, you know, quote, conversations yep. in the background with these services. And, you know, it's less about me chatting with this bot than it, you know, processing natural language and then having intelligent agents out yeah. um, interacting with all the different resources that are needed to pull together this request that I just made. It's almost more
1: like a concierge service than, yeah. than, uh, than just, oh, well... And this language a, is attached to that specific system. Yeah, yeah. and that's
0: what I want.
1: That's what, <laughs> your digital concierge. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't. You know, I'm uh, old enough where I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, you know, that I get mad when I have to call now to get something done versus just going online or yep. using my phone uh, m- as a as a computing device, not as something to talk to someone with. Yeah,
1: I, uh, the next section uh, that that we brought up was. Um, about organization, and we kind of broached this topic uh, not too long ago in this very podcast, yep. but, you know, using uh, particularly the deep learning systems to both organize text content, which has been kind of pretty widely used up to this point, you know, but I think where we're really starting to see inroads um, is in the image recognition and yeah. the video recognition, being able to tag and sort um, huge image databases on the fly in real time, um, which is um, you know immensely powerful powerful, so if your business is a business that maybe is reliant upon specialty sets of imagery, um, or you have a lot of it and you need to organize it, but it 's kind of hard to do by a manual process. There are services you can purchase now where you can tr- train an algorithm to learn your specific image sets so that it looks at this specific medical di- library, this device of medical, or library of medical devices, excuse me, and is able to recognize the attributes of those specific machines
0: um, and categorize them on the fly. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting, too, is, you know, these systems are not bound by the taxonomies. We feed into them. In fact, they work better when the taxonomy is kind of extracted from the raw data itself. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be very interesting, you know, when we start seeing, you know, like consumer segmentation done in a way that is, wholly organic and and pulling out like, well, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, like a way to, you know, kind of divide up your markets. Yeah. I wish I had a better example, but (laughs) I'm waiting. (laughs) Yeah. And the final, the final
1: space, um, which is still kind of nascent, but you're still starting to see it is the actual generation of written copy or imagery and things like that. That's coming down the road a bit. um, But, you know, companies like uh, the AP, right? They use... They use algorithms to write some of their basic, like, sports
0: reporting, um, financial yeah, articles. The, basic, the AP newsfeed, um, which is just kind of that raw story everyone picks up and, and embellishes for their local outlet, mm-hmm. uh, generally is generated by an expert system. Yeah, unless
1: it's particularly convoluted or requires a level of human interpretation to really understand what the
0: what the, the meaning is behind like every fact, every story coming out of the White House. Yeah, right? well, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because th- there's no precedent for any of it. No. <laughs> We're reading tea leaves. Right. So, yeah, so that
1: was basically the the, the gist of that, that article. And, you know, it's, it's a great exercise to put yourself through uh, to think about where you can augment the things you're already doing in your business with uh, some degree of artificial intelligence or machine learning that might help uh, either smooth out a customer transaction, uh, smooth out an internal process, Um, or overall speed up some service or um, delivery mechanism you already have in place.
0: Yeah, and I think where it'll really pay off is that I think for the past five or ten years, we've narrowed people's choices. So, uh, you know, a a less sophisticated recommendation engine Mm. is really going to just kind of funnel to you things that uh, are high probability hits versus, you know, having a little randomness and discovery Mm -hmm. uh, accounted for. And I think, you know, when it's more kind of deep learning driven, you're going to get more iteration and more experimentation. Yeah. Kind of things presented to people that aren't strictly highly correlated math. Yeah. And I think
1: maybe we've seen some of the limits of that expressed in the challenges that Facebook is really going through right now, right? Is, is they're showing you a lot of content that's highly correlated to things you l- already like. The echo but I, chamber. But Yeah, but it becomes an echo chamber. And until there's a, a, a system that can better randomize what kinds of information you're seeing, you just kind of stay in this perpetual loop of seeing the same kind of information from the same people that I like, as opposed to maybe occasionally getting something in there that might challenge the way you think or um, might be something you're still interested in but you never would have thought of in the first place. Right. Listening to Brilliant. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe or rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Brilliant is recorded at Mignani, an experienced design and strategy firm in Chicago, Illinois. To learn more about what Mignani can do for you, visit Mignani.com. That's M-A-G-N-A-N-I.